Hello and welcome back to the Off The Crossbar podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and as ever, Brad Morris. Now, before we get into this week's episode, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us from, whether that be Spotify, Acast itself, or Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories from around the world of football. Uh, now, whilst tensions around the world may be ri- rising... Um, Champions League action has at least managed to take our minds and what's happened with Tottenham Hotspur this past week off the things around the world. Like, I feel like I have to step in. Like, we could give this thing of oh, football, it's the great distraction to all the sad, to the sad state of the world is currently in, but it, it, it isn't. It's war. War is happening, and we see it on our telly every morning, every hour, every day. Yes. Like, football will try its hardest to be a distraction but it's it's difficult there's nothing we can do or say that's going to change that unfortunately mm. um we'll just move on because obviously like you said there's not a lot we can say or do in this it's a and it, it is a difficult subject it's a, not the easy subject to talk on it's finding the right balance but we're, we're not that yeah. podcast but we're here to talk about football yes at the end of the day. and this past week again we've seen uh, Champions League action involving two English sides um, we'll start off with current Champions League holders and Club World Cup winners Chelsea they managed to beat Lille on Tuesday evening 2-0 uh, with Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic with the goals uh, for Thomas Tuchel's side a fairly easy game for Chelsea in the end I would say yeah, a little bit straightforward, I guess. Lil aren't having the best of seasons after winning the league last season. It's the reality has come back down to yeah. earth. I mean, they're currently mid-table in Liege One, so it is like a massive uh, come down, like you said, compared to them winning the league last year. And like, although they had quite a lot of shots in the game, was, I think they only had like two on target in the end. Uh, so. Like you say, relatively easy for Chelsea to deal with. Yeah, and obviously the big talking point was Lukaku being dropped and his replacement in that role, Kai Havertz, appeared to have a pretty good game, which brings about a question, especially ahead of a big game coming this weekend for Chelsea. Should Kai Havertz be playing in a centre-forward role ahead of the big £90 million plus signing? Uh, I mean, if we're just going off the last seven days alone, yes, because... What Lukaku had seven touches all of the his last game that he started, and Kai Havertz scored for Chelsea midweek. I think that says enough that you have to start. It says it all. It, it does, but the sick energy that Sky have in publishing a a video of those seven touches. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like, are you asking for? Abuse to be thrown his way. Yes, it is literally like you say. They're gelling it up for him to receive the abuse. Um, but yeah, on the game itself, I think it's one of them where I I don't think he would have contributed enough or had the same impact that Havertz had if he had started in this game. Lukaku. Feels like Havertz has played that role as well it was a similar role to how he did at Leverkusen which obviously worked out pretty yeah. well for him maybe it will work better in this current Tuchel system yeah, 100% and 
it's, I don't know, the, over recent, well, I'd say six to eight, ten weeks, he has grown into something more like, he had a tricky start to life at Chelsea Havertz, and now I think recent weeks he's started to become like uh, a mainstay in that Chelsea team, and you can understand why they went out and spent the money that they did on him. Yeah, it's difficult for Chelsea as well because neither of their attacking players have gone on a full, consistent run of they're scoring in almost every game, they're getting assists all the time. They haven't had one player do that. Maybe Havertz could do it if given more mm-hmm. time in this role. Or if you look at uh, recent weeks, it's definitely Christian Pulisic that's also doing that, like getting in and involved around the goals. We said it, he was the LeBron James of football. <laughs> However, his we, celebration no isn't we, as good. No point did we ever disagree that he was one of the best players in the world. Nope, I don't ever remember that happening between us. Find the evidence. <laughs> uh, I mean, lovely uh, set-up play from N'Golo Kante for Pulisic for that second Chelsea goal. But... Uh, it was when everyone had been criticising Kante and then all came back out again. So, see, that's Kante. How dare you criticise him? Mm. It was like, it was you lot criticising him two, three weeks ago. None of us lot have. And every neutral has said that N'Golo Kante is the best midfielder you got. Mm. I know we're not usually one to talk about celebrations, but for God's sake, Christian Pulisic, I know you're American, but work on your gritty. Jesus, that was one of the worst ones I've seen. I can't add an opinion. I'm sorry. I'm too, I'm too wide I mean, for this. I've watched enough NFL this past 12 to, uh, to 24 months and seen a lot better gritties here. Admittedly, it's not as bad as Jamie Carragher's. I was going to say, like, you can't be going for Christian Pulisic without going for Jamie Carragher afterwards. What the hell was he doing? <laughs> he was doing that white middle-aged dad thing of like his son's just taught him it, but he has no idea how to do it. Man, thought he was doing the Deli Alley thing with the the, the eyes. Yeah. I, should, I, was, I say Deli Alley, I should be saying the Ellen White. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just about to correct you on that. Uh, but yeah, easy and comfortable win for Chelsea as they go to the next leg in a couple of weeks' time uh, over in France. However, there was rumours the other week about um, them not having players available for the second leg due to uh, France's mandate on uh, players like being, uh, what do you call it, injected from COVID. Vaccinated. That's the word I could think of. Vaccination. Literally yeah. the most, one of the most said words in the whole world right now and you forgot it. Yep. Ah, um, but yeah, that's got it out of you. Yeah, I don't know whether that's going to be able to have been changed by the time that next fixture comes around or will we see Tuchel having to make a good couple of changes but I don't think Lille will offer that much going off uh, Tuesday's game I wouldn't personally expect it Mm. Uh, the other English side that was involved this week was obviously Manchester United Um, they played Atletico Madrid over in Spain and by oh god, did we get off to the worst possible start? Letting Joao Felix score within the opening 10 minutes. You let a 5 foot nothing Joao Felix score a header. Harry Maguire with the turning circle of a literal fridge. Oh, it's just. 
I know he, there was the talk last week of him not losing his captaincy under Ralph Rangnick because there was the rubbish talk of apparently Ronaldo wanting him, but whatever. Uh, he, he's just having such a poor season, Maguire. Yeah, it's his awareness more than mm. anything, and more so with that goal. He just, like, Jeff Felix has done a 360. Oh, Harry Maguire. He's <laughs> 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 even really made a run. Yeah. Oh, it's just worrying times when you see Maguire defending. Like, for someone that's 80 million and you just have to say entering or in the prime of their career now at 28 years old, he should know how to defend better than that. Yeah, like you expect that of any top quality centre back. Mm. But then, I mean, after that, you'd say it was all Atletico Madrid for the rest of that half. I know, obviously, possession wise, they're not the team to dominate, but. You'd think, uh, as the rest of that half was going on, they could have at least been like three nil up at half time. Yeah, I would say for what I saw, it was. Like, did it feel like Atletico just stopped? Because as mm. you said, they dominated, and then United you know, got into the game pretty easily and ultimately scored the equaliser. Yeah, it's it's a strange one with Simeone because he sides against like lesser teams in Spain. Well easily put three or four goals up and look dominant but against the bigger teams they don't dominate as much and they sit back after they get that one goal and nowadays in football a one goal lead is one of the most vulnerable score lines you can have in football and it just seems to be all going wrong because like you said dominating at half time they should have been able to pounce on it uh, in the second half and not allow Man United to grow back into the game at all yeah, with the way it was going, I was thinking, oh, God, you're not going to win this now. Like, mm. That's how I felt. The second they got the equaliser, I went, oh, well, here comes the winner. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the United equaliser, again, 19-year-old uh, Swedish international Anthony Alanga with the equaliser with uh, Bruno Fernandes getting the assist for, I think it's now his sixth assist in the last seven uh, games in the Champions League. Well, hey, it's about or time he... Seven in the last again. six. I'm not going to speak on that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but you will speak on Anthony Langer because he clearly looks like a pretty good prospect. Yeah, he is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, uh, Rangnick was saying after the game that um, he wanted Alanga, or Alanga himself wanted to go out on low uh, to get some more playing time. But Rangnick was like, no, you're staying here because I have that much faith in you and you're going to be like one of our key players. And he's like, I want players to be taking a leaf out of his book to step up their performances to his level. Is there an argument to be made that he should maybe start ahead of Rashford? I think in the next two to three weeks, if he continues to do what he's been doing, I think you will slowly see that happen. That he will become United's like focal player out wide on the left-hand side. Or right-hand side, should I say, this past week. He feels more of a winger than Rashford does, personally. That's the thing. If you look back to when Rashford first came through the United squad under Louis van Gaal in the first team, he was playing uh, as the number 9 or 10. And then it's just recent years he's gone out wide. I'm like, why are we playing him in that position? You should be playing him uh, on the last defender so that he can turn and use that pace to get past the defenders and he would be scoring a lot more goals than he has done 
Yeah. Let's think about it because Ronaldo's not going to be there in maximum the end of next season. Realistically, mm. maybe even this summer. Fashion Ronaldo. Uh, wait. <laughs> uh, get Rashford suited to playing as a striker again, because then you potentially have the long-term replacement without having to go out and spend millions. Yeah, I, I, I it's one that completely baffles me as to why he's uh, moved out wide and. It, 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 at times it just infuriates me because you see like he's he's okay out wide because obviously he's got the pace and ability to beat players but you're like no you should be in the middle because I feel like he has that poachers type instinct where if that ball that he tries to play sometimes is played into him he'll be able to get on to the end of the finish and uh, score yeah, he makes good runs mm. and I would also put this for the England perspective as well we've got a lack of second choice strikers right now maybe Rashford could step up in that area are we not saying we don't have a lack of choice even for first choice striker at this minute in time of course we don't Harry Kane's back I mean uh, this past midweek for Spurs says otherwise but we'll get to that just <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but I know obviously this season the rules change that there's no uh, away goals in this but like United still getting that goal to give a bit of life in the tie is uh, really important for them going forth to the second leg in a few weeks time Do you want to apologise to the poor Twitter followers who you fooled with your tweet? No because if you saw my reply to the person that commented I said we know there's no but it's just like it gives life to United in the tie and doesn't mean they have to come out and do a lot of work. Obviously, you still need to win the game on aggregates, but... We need to start putting names on the end of tweets. Should we go for the rest of the Champions League games that took place? Yeah, uh, we'll head over to Spain, or stay in Spain, should I say, as Villarreal took on uh, Juventus and Dusan Vlahovic. My God, is he paying back that money straight away. Yeah, like for me, he's just really confirmed himself now as a top-class striker. Yeah, I think easily top five strikers in the world at the minute. Yeah, going on form, you have to put him in there. Mm. Like 32 seconds into his Champions League debut with Juventus and he scores. Like, this man is insanely good. Like, he shouldn't, like for his age, he shouldn't be that good. Yeah, there's a lot of room to grow as well. Mm. And the fact that you expect over the next 12 months Juventus to go out and spend money to uh, try and close the gap to the top two or three in uh, Serie A after their poor or poorer season for Juventus standards, I'll say. Um, he could become an absolute uh, animal next season. Yeah, I don't know what other changes Juventus would make personally but uh, because the other good game was between Ajax and Benfica and that's, this was a very open clash yeah uh, I mean on paper I was expecting Ajax to win this considering how they've done in their group stages uh, I think if I remember correctly they'd won all six of their games um, but yeah this game was really open uh, in Portugal between themselves and obviously Benfica and it was one where it could, like you said, it could have gone either way throughout that whole ninety minutes. 
Yeah, and Sebastian Haller added to his account for Ajax as well. That man is just doing way, way better than he ever did at West Ham. Oh, he's doing a hundred times better than he ever did at West Ham. Like It's strange how good he does look in uh, this Ajax team nowadays. Um, so I think that was his 12th, 11th actual goal, but obviously he scored uh, the own goal. So I think he has technically 12 goals in the Champions League this season. Oh, no, he have the 13th. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very entertaining uh, 2-2 draw there So uh, we've got the second legs of these fixtures They take place uh, on the 15th and 16th of March So still a while away for them ones And obviously we'll have the two, other two set weeks, of ties yeah. yeah, and the other set of ties take place Their second legs take place next week um, But yeah, another good week of Champions League football Uh we did speak on Spurs a little bit, and I think it's only fitting we talk about them now. Um, I mean, I, I want to. I will get to Spurs, obviously. Hopefully not, but I feel like we have to mention the Europa League as much as you don't like that competition. I will not ignore Rangers knocking out Borussia Dortmund. That is mental. Yeah, uh, obviously, it was a massive help the fact that they uh, won four two in the first leg over in Germany and then uh, got a 2-2 draw yesterday against Dortmund so they won on aggregate 6-4 which is just a complete shock to see yeah the atmosphere of the whole game as well fantastic mm. see, it's proof Scottish football when it's allowed to showcase itself it can be very good yeah but at the same time Dortmund again at times this season we've even seen it in the Bundesliga they've been very up and down in terms of t- you look at them, you're like, okay, they could be actual title contenders too by Munich. But then other times you see them, the defeats that they're having, or even draws that they've had this season, you're like, there's actually still a massive gap between the two sides. And I think this results Rangers, or with all due respect to uh, Rangers, it's like a big talking point for Dortmund that they uh, haven't progressed out of the round of 32 or whatever it is in the. No, it's, oh, they changed that rule, which didn't they in the Europa League? Yeah, because it's, it's like a the, playoff. Yeah, it's playoff, and now group winners have come into it. So, uh, is it the last thirty-two now that they're doing the draw for as we record? Or I can't think of what it's called now. I don't know where. I swear it's the last sixteen. I think you got that one wrong. Yeah, I think it's going to be the last sixteen, not the round of thirty-two, because they they you scrapped could, you the round confused of thirty-two. Me then, and I was like, "Gotta be the last, the last 16 <laughs> Yeah, they scrapped the uh, last 32 foot in favour of this new playoff thing for the teams dropping out of the Champions League and then the other stuff. Reward the group winners of the Europa League. Yes. It's just stupid. Just keep it how it was. There was no problem with it. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably say the the games when they come through. Because I believe the draw, is, as I said, is taking place right now. Yeah, so... But <laughs> knowing our look, it'll be... We'll have the draw as we finish this podcast, unfortunately, because we know what UEFA are like with their fucking timings and stuff. It's okay, you, you are full enough, we'll, we'll be carrying on. Yes, uh, speaking on the Europa League, obviously Barcelona managed to knock out uh, Napoli in a 5-3 game, uh, winning 4-2 yesterday. Uh, Jordi Alba, Frankie de Jong, Gerard Piquet and Aubameyang, uh, who's settling into life perfectly over in Spain with Barcelona at the minute. Yeah, look. As much as we can go of Aubameyang, the person, he seems 
that if he's not loved, he will go a bit wayward. A little bit mm. if he's on form, you've got a top class striker. Yeah. And uh, Xavi has got this Barcelona team playing great football over the last, what, yeah, and a half? Beat, that's like beating Napoli. Beating Napoli mm. isn't as straightforward as it would seem as well. They've had a great season. Yeah. He's absolutely incredible to see. Uh, in that sense, but you look at this Barcelona team, and you think they're still good enough to go all the way and win this? Oh yeah, you'd have to say they're heavily uh, favourite to win it. This is obviously, like we say, look at the draw and see who they get in the uh, round of sixteen. Which obviously, if we find out uh, before we record, finish recording, then we will get on to. Uh, but like I did allude to a couple of minutes ago, Spurs in the Premier League brought back down to reality after beating Manchester City at the weekend, losing one nil to. Burnley with a Ben Mee header in the 71st min- 71st minute even but the game itself wasn't any of the talking points it's Antonio Conte's comments afterwards what is it with losing to Burnley that just really kills managers belief in themselves I have no he idea he realizes that this is the most Spurs thing ever right it's not even a joke and oh, this can't be joked about anymore it's more of a state of facts that the complete culture that just surrounds Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Of course, they beat the team yeah. at the top of the table and then lost to a team at the bottom three. Burn, do you know what it is about? Yeah. Burnley away after beating Man City at the head-out is like the worst hangover that you can imagine. Oh, yeah. It's like you've gone out the night before, you've gone on a load of drinks with your mates and then you realise you've got to get up early because it's uh, your wife's mother's birthday or something like that and you've got a screaming child in your ear and that screaming child is Burnley <laughs> uh, that's possibly the weirdest analogy I've ever said your Burnley hatred just gets darker doesn't it <laughs> I, it, I think people have seen over the last uh, year or so of our podcast how much I hate Burnley but yeah um, back to Antonio Conte someone's just waking right. up from the celebrations the night before to beating City is like Next fixture, that's who we've got to prepare for, and then it just comes up on the whiteboard. Right, lads? Burnley. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but Antonio Conte's comments after the game, he sounded like he wanted to be sacked there and then. He practically said it without saying it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's like, we've lost four of our last five uh, games. I don't think I'm good enough to do this. Everywhere you go, the coach is always changed. The back, uh, the like back staff of the coach changes, but the players never change. And you're like, Antonio, are you wanting to be sacked? Are you just wanting to wake up to a P45 from Daniel leaving in the morning? I'd always walk up to him, but like, welcome back to the Premier League, because mm. that's English football for you. Like, we know Antonio Conte can be outspoken towards higher ups at the football club. That's his way, he, he doesn't mince his words at times. Was mm. this, do you think that was more of a threat towards Daniel Levy? Just him saying, don't give me what I want, I'll walk. I think he would even walk. I mean, we spoke about it uh, in text after the game of if they lose this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave. There's also figures that he, I remember the, the January transfer window, they wanted Luis Diaz, didn't get him. Mm-hmm. They wanted Adama Traore. They didn't get him. Did yeah. they want Ben Sankor and Kulizewski? Or did he want them, specifically? I don't know whether he wanted them, or was it a fact that they'd 
lost four players and it was clo closing the last few days or so or even the last day of the window and they were like okay we know that Fabio Paratici has a good relationship with those at Juventus obviously just leaving them it's always a big word there <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh, I think it's one of them where there's no surprise that he went after them players like we said considering those uh, Juventus ties but I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of those comments from Conte like he does seem dejected already and he's been in the job what three months yeah it was just so out of the blue a little bit I think with Spurs we said it there's a culture there at the moment that it's the Spursy way mm. until a manager actually comes in and changes that culture it's not going to change but I don't know how do you change that or what needs to happen to change that because it was breaking under Pochettino who obviously is a world class manager you bring in Jose Mourinho again another top manager um, he can't seem to do anything uh, Nuno Espirito Santo comes in for what, 100 or so days he can't change it Conte's already struggling there gotten what 12 to 14 years without a trophy I don't know what it is but something at that club needs to be changed and I don't know what it is yeah it's also a bit of a claim you can make does the culture relate more to Daniel Levy rather than just an overall Spurs thing I don't know how long this has been like a thing really hmm it's quite strange uh, how long this has gone on, and you can like obviously we don't follow Spurs that intently because we're not Spurs fans, but um, we see enough of it, and there does seem to be like some cultural change. Whether it is Daniel ne Levy needs to move on from the club uh, will be something that remains to be seen, uh, and I don't know whether Joe Lewis, who is the majority owner of Tottenham Hotspur, uh, would do any changes because I feel like them two are very close friends so I wouldn't expect to see a change anytime soon but you wouldn't but they've, they've got a manager that can change that culture like Antonio Conte is a top quality manager mm. we saw him do that with Inter yeah look what he did when he installed his vision they won the title yeah simple as that but it's all like Antonio Conte needs the support as well from ownership he needs to know that he's working with someone that he can work with yeah and that that doesn't just mean the owners right it means players as we've seen yeah and I feel does he want some of this lot probably not yeah and I feel like he, that's the stubbornness he needs of the fans on his side mm. he needs fans on his side as well and I, I mean I haven't seen any not backing him I'm pretty sure they're all behind him right now yeah but you know what football's like, it's a very strange game and it wouldn't surprise me. I genuinely think if they were to lose this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if come Monday morning you'd heard that he's resigned. Yeah, and this weekend they play a pretty simple opposition, you know, very straightforward. Let's lead. Yes, uh, and speaking of this weekend's fixtures, let's get on to them now. Uh, as we look ahead to another action-packed weekend in the Premier League and it all kicks off tonight as Southampton take on Norwich from St Mary's um, Norwich obviously th the Dean Smith effect uh, did start really well for them and they were off the bottom of the table unfortunately 
due to the past weekend's results, they are now rooted back to the Premier League and uh, foot of the Premier League and obviously midweek action for Burnley. While Southampton themselves, middle of the pack, uh, directly in tenth place. You would say a straightforward game for Ralph House and Hootel's side, but anything can happen, really, in this one. You believe that, but it, it yeah, like it should be. Southampton are on a pretty good run at the moment. I don't know. I don't see it, really, with Norwich. I, I think they will still go down, personally. Oh, yeah, I still expect them to go down this season. but it, and it, It's that thing, isn't it? Because you got to run, you think, right, here we go, we're going to get out of it. Doesn't happen when, mm. when the rest of them are getting points as well. Yeah, and like we said, the main thing with Burnley is that they do have their games in hand, so it's a massive help for them. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk on Burnley now, obviously, but yeah, mm. they're getting out of it for me. I'm, I can't pick who stays up out of the four or five teams down there. I really can't. Uh, then I on have a free in mind potentially but that is one for a going to extra time podcast coming at some point yes uh, then we look at tomorrow's fixtures it kicks off with that Leeds United versus Spurs game at half past 12 from Ellen Road obviously Leeds will be wanting to bounce back after losing the uh, Roses derby last week to Manchester United and I think this game could be a similar format it could be high scoring and I don't know what to say for this yeah, look, if we go back to the Tottenham perspective this should be there for the taking. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Leeds, because I think I figured it out. I mean, I've definitely figured it out ages ago, but I've really like seen it more now. The more that I've watched Leeds, if you play, if when you play them, you have to match them. Mm-hmm. Beat the beat, press well against them, match them at their own game. You do that, yeah. you probably. If you do that, it's an easy ride. Yeah. If you don't. You get completely walked over and exposed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether Spurs will be able to match them this weekend. I really don't. If they're up for it, they will. Though it'll be pretty easy. Harry Kane probably has a good game as well. If they turn up how they did against Burnley, then if Yeah. I find a defeat to Leeds a bit more embarrassing than Burnley. Yes. Um, Controversial, I know, because you we see the moments that Leeds are awful, 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 awful. And no, do they nowhere near do they have quality players at a Premier League level? Personally, for me, they just work well in the system that they play. Mm. But they just have a way of getting results at times. Yes. Um, can I just drop back to the Europa League draw because uh, West Ham have been drawn. Uh, they face a trip to Sevilla. Ooh, that is a lovely one. I was going to bring this up at the end, but I was planning to go for it on free if anything that interested me towards the end. But no, that's decent. That's yeah, not uh, too bad for West Ham. Yeah. Although uh, they don't remember Sevilla were on beta on the Europa League. Yes. And Barcelona, they will play. I'm just trying to see the team now because they've literally just been drawn. Galatasaray. It's winnable. Yes. Uh, right, back to the Premier League. The rest of this I'm intrigued with... about... Yeah, no, carry on. I'll, I'll look for myself for the other ones. Yeah, we'll go back to that at the end. Uh, the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. Brentford versus Newcastle. Brighton versus Aston Villa. Crystal Palace versus Burnley. And Manchester United versus Watford. Some interesting ties there. I think Brentford-Newcastle. Obviously, Brentford not in the best of form recently. Eddie Howe's Newcastle are on some sort of research. 
fluctuance over recent weeks. Um, I think that could be a game uh, to keep an eye out on this weekend. Brighton and Hove Albion versus your Aston Villa. Obviously, last week for Villa, going to be very gut-wrenching uh, with the defeat and you'll be hoping to bounce back to winning ways. However, Brighton are the surprise team of the Premier League this season. And Cough Cough are in need of a victory because they were battered last week by Burnley. Yes, and as we always say, Aston Villa are... What's that? Is it charity season again? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Burnley, they travel to Crystal Palace. Um, Patrick Vieira's side are looking really good and obviously after last weekend, uh, Wilfred Zahal... Uh, helping them out massively. No, sorry, not last weekend. That was midweek they played on Tuesday, wasn't it? Was it was midweek. Yes. It was Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making it Two out, days ago. <laughs> uh, United Watford should be straightforward for Man United. However, I know what Manchester United are like, so it won't be straightforward at all. No, shouldn't be. And then we round off uh, Saturday's games with uh, Everton taking on Manchester City. So. Frank Lampard gets to face a former side. Obviously, his career wasn't mainly known for Manchester City, but he was there for, what, 18 months? It's such an anomaly. Like Everyone goes back on Lampard's career. Like, oh, yeah, he played for Man City that one season. I, I still don't understand why, but yeah, he did. Um, I genuinely could see Man City putting four or five past this Everton team. I see. I also think that could happen, but there's also a small part of it goes, "Oh, Everton, who knows?" Yeah, I'm being realistic here. Uh, then we look at Sunday's <laughs> fi- <laughs> Sunday's fixture. We only have the one game because of uh, the EFL Cup final, which we can get onto in a second, and that is between West Ham versus Wolves. Uh, again, really tasty tie. Sixth versus seventh. Wolves still have the game in hand over the Hammers. Anything can happen in that sense. Uh, so yeah, I think we've got some good f- fixtures to look forward to. None that scream like, "Oh, this is a total battle or relegation battle of sorts." Uh, but yeah, definitely some ties to keep an eye out for this weekend, and we could see a big shakeup. Uh, so we did. Oh, I did just speak of the EFL Cup final. It is this Sunday, uh, the twenty seventh at half past four, as Chelsea take on Liverpool from Wembley Stadium. I don't know how to see this one going at all. I can't say like you don't have to. You say that, but you don't care, do you? <laughs> no. be honest. You don't give a damn. Oh God, no! Oh, so it's on me to try and interact with. I love a good cup final. Doesn't matter who's involved. Uh, yeah, this will be pretty intriguing. It's a one-off game. Who knows what could happen? We see what Chelsea are like in that situation. Hmm. And Liverpool, surprise! We're Liverpool. They don't get too many cup finals. At least not recently. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I I I, genuinely, I I know I always joke that I don't care about the EFL Cup or the FA Cup, but this one I'm quite intrigued to see how it plays out because I I, I genuinely can't say, oh here's how this team has the advantage over the other team, and I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, how the end result comes. Like I genuinely think this could go all the way to penalties. Yeah, my take with this is. If Liverpool play at their best, as we've seen recently, they win this pretty easily. Mm. And I don't think Chelsea have got enough, or have at least shown enough recently, from an attacking standpoint that tells me they win it in 90 minutes. So, the only way Chelsea win is if it goes to extra time and they get some of that, or, as you said, penalties. Yeah. 
well, yeah, definitely uh, one of the fixtures to keep out on this weekend as well as uh, the Premier League stuff. And now we go on well, to... we'll be watching. <laughs> I can not care as much as you want, but I love a cup bonus. Let's have a look at this weekend's fixtures in and around Europe. So we'll start off over in Spain on Saturday uh, afternoon. Real Madrid travel to Rayo Vallecano with a six-point gap at the top of uh, La Liga between themselves and Sevilla, who are quietly in second place. Uh, Atletico Madrid they host Celta Vigo on Saturday evening at eight o'clock. And then on Sunday, uh, the big game to keep an eye out is second versus third, Sevilla versus Real Betis. I think that's going to be an absolute belter of a game. Uh, if Betis win that one, they'll close the gap down to just two points between themselves and Julian Lopetegui's side. And Barcelona, they play host to Athletic Club Bilbao, um, which again is always a good uh, tie between the two sides. Then if we head over to Germany, Bayern Munich, they travel to Eintracht Frankfurt on Saturday evening. Again, I don't know what Bayern Munich to expect. No, who knows? They should dominate, really. It's Bayern. It's the natural thinking point. Yeah, Uh, elsewhere, Borussia Dortmund, they don't play until Sunday uh, evening where they travel to Augsburg and the early game on Sunday sees RB Leipzig travel to VFL Bochum and another game although it's not as entertaining as it was a couple of years back Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Wolfsburg on uh, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 it's 11th, uh, 12th versus 13th so expect that one to be a very close affair over in France this weekend PSG they play host to Saint-Étienne on Saturday evening again You'd expect uh, Mauricio Pochettino's side to easily dominate that, considering how poor Saint Etienne have been this season uh, as they're down in 16th. Uh, elsewhere, Olympic uh, Lyonnais, they play host to Lille on Sunday evening, and uh, Marseille, they treble to Troyes. And finally, over in Italy this weekend, uh, two team, or well, both Milan sides play this evening. Uh, Ethan Milan play against Udinese in the quarter to six kickoff our time, which is a strange kickoff time. Other, uh, yeah. and then uh, the eight o'clock kickoff sees uh, Genoa play host to Inter Milan, and then the rest of the top sides uh, on Saturday, Empoli play host to Juventus. Sassuolo play Fiorentina in the evening kickoff there. And then uh, the big game this weekend sees Lazio take on Napoli in a very, very good game between third and sixth place. Shall we head over to the predictions league now? Yes, and I believe it's you that have chosen the fixtures this week, because I haven't. (laughs) Yes, because uh, obviously we talked last week off due to my health, but uh, it is still my turn to do it. And the first game that I am going to go with is Crystal Palace versus Burnley. Oh, you had to go for that one, didn't you? Yes. So, cards on the table. Mm-hmm. 2-1 to Burnley. Oh, okay. Uh, I've gone for a 1-1 draw in that one. Uh, next up is the early game on Sunday between West Ham and Wolves. Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. 1-1. I've gone with uh, West Ham to win that one 2-1 uh, and for the third and final English game I'm going to actually go with the EFL Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool 
I'd have been disappointed if he didn't. Mm-hmm. Liverpool are winning this. 2-0. Okay. Uh, I've gone with Chelsea to win 2-1 after extra time. And I've actually wrote AET, so we know and, it's and after say, extra time. Say, and let's say, if this happens before 90 minutes, does not count. That's one point. I'll, that's not the full three points. Okay. You specific, uh, you've specifically said after extra time there, so it doesn't count. Okay. Uh, we'll start off with our first uh, European game and that is obviously the one I was just talking about over in Germany between Borussia Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg Christ you've really gone like mid-level today <laughs> <laughs> but they're all quite entertaining guys though yeah they it's could be mid-level games uh, I don't rate Mönchengladbach much this season they've had iffy moments so I've got to go Wolfsburg mm. I think they win 2-1 and that is the first time in a while that we've had a same result because I've also yeah. gone two one there uh, in favour, obviously, of Wolfsburg. Uh, again, I'm going to go for second versus third in Spain, Sevilla versus Real Betis, which that still seems weird to say second versus third and then two teams. That's where they're rivals. I feel like you've missed, or you've not hugged this one enough. I are swear they? they are pretty big rivals. I am not too sure. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, they yeah. are uh, arrivals. So, is it the Seville Derby? Seville Derby. Otherwise, the, uh, hey, uh, we love a good Derby name on this podcast. Do you not know what this con's called? The Great Derby. The Great Derby. Why do you have to look these things up? <laughs> because I was in the middle of looking it up if there is a Derby, that's why. Oh, just <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Great up, Derby. You take my moment. I mean, what I'll say in Spanish, El Gran Derby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on then, what have you got uh, for your scoreline for the Great Derby? 2-2. Two, two. Okay, we've gone back to back, same results, because I've also gone for 2-2. Two, two, yeah, you really should so. cover your paper. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm doing these as you're looking up this stuff, so uh, it's nothing to do with me. And finally... With our third and final game, I think we have to go to Italy for that one on Sunday evening between Lazio and Napoli. Napoli win. 2-1. I'm going to go with a 1-1 score there. Uh, A reminder that it's still a... I know it's a three-point lead because you won this week's fantasy points. Just about, yeah. Uh, yeah, so everyone had 76. high scores, and I just about got the average. I got below the average because I, I had Trenton. Everyone had a good week. Yeah, um, you're on seventy six points. I got I'm below the average. Oh no, <laughs> eighty one, and I you got below the about. average. I got sixty three in the end. You so yeah, the guy was at two hundred and twelve. That's crazy. Did he? Oh, he bench boost and sell it. What money got? Two bench boost players with more than ten. That is. Mane got fifty-two points. Did he triple Captain Mane or something? I don't think you can what do that f- as well. But I think he must have. Unless that's he both games, done. but I don't know. <laughs> we're not here to talk fancy football. Instead, we're here to talk terrible takes. Ugh. Obviously, we spoke about it being our new segment on the show with pundits. Ex-players or what have you, coming up with absolutely 
god awful takes of uh, the week and this will be a weekly occurrence on a Friday where if we see anyone taking a bad point we'll call them out for it so what have you got for us this week I'll tell you what, we, before I say the winner because I'm done with nominations for this like I'll mention I'll give some honourable mentions but the winner is as I have written down that we were gifted this week so many of them outrageous opinions Rio Ferdinand had something to say the other week the other day I mean Rio Ferdinand always has something to say and the more and more he says something the less and less I take uh, notice of what he says let's just say that it was a big up Manchester United again and when has that ever gone wrong Ooh. I can't seem to think when was that I actually forget the year it was, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but, um, there was another one as well, Michael Owen. I feel I deserved a mention for what he said about the concussion stuff. Maybe, I don't think he intended it, but he, he, you know, he said it, and it just didn't sound good. Yeah. This week's winner goes to a man who I think he will be a regular winner of this, given my opinion of some of the takes that he has. I'm sure the the bloke's nice. Well, if, I, if I ever met him, but it's always takes such embarrassing at times. And this week's winner is Danny Murphy. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Actually, change it back. Can I generalise this? I'll give this to any single football fan. Yes, because this is my biggest take. Any football fan that criticises teams for enjoying winning a football match, what? What? Yeah, I I just I don't understand. Has this like we had it with Craig Burley the other week criticizing Chelsea for celebrating the Club World Cup? Is there a new rule that we're not allowed to celebrate? And then obviously, if you remember um, when Arsenal played Wolves the other week, and Ruben Nevers came out saying like Arsenal celebrated uh, like a bunch of ten-year-olds or something like that, and you're like. It, is football now have to be emotionless? Like, what the hell's going on? Why are people coming out with these outrageous takes for? Have they all been watching the NFL too much and they're fans of this new taunting rule that is applied over there where players aren't allowed to over-celebrate? I know. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, obviously, uh, with Danny Murphy, he was uh, saying about Manchester United celebrating uh, the win against Leeds like they had won the title. Um, so you should be Rose beating not... teams like Brighton and Leeds. Like, yeah, Leeds are their Does rivals. Not... They're gonna celebrate like yeah. mad. Yeah, and do you not remember him celebrating like mad uh, against Everton when Everton finished fifteenth that season and Liverpool finished second? Or I is... think if you actually bring evidence towards these people, then they backtrack. Oh yeah, they're the same. I mean... like, you can be wrong. If they come out, it come out and be all right. Maybe I went too far in that. That's fine. They just need to know when they are like, going a bit too far with it. Yeah, is he not going to call out Jurgen Klopp for his midweek celebrations as Liverpool battered Leeds 6-0? Was he criticising Jurgen Klopp when he ran onto the football pitch when they beat Everton and celebrated Vallison? Exactly. I need to go but back and research he... that one. Oh, I mean, I doubt it because uh, we know he's Liverpool biased, eh? but the less said on that, the better. Less said about that from you. The less said about Danny Murphy from me, the better, because I've got a lot of swear words, but we will keep it as PG as possible. No, no. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, Danny Murphy always winning it with some stupid ass take. Uh, right. The last 16 draw has actually been made for the Europa League. We'll just finish on that. Uh, games we have, so I said Sevilla play West Ham. Elsewhere we have Rangers versus Red Star Belgrade. Braga take on Monaco. Yeah, Braga versus Monaco. FC Porto versus Lyon. I think that's going to be a really good game. That's a very nice level, well. Atalanta versus Bayer Leverkusen. That's a very good mid-level. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona Galatasaray. RB Leipzig versus Spartak Moscow and Real Betis versus Eintracht Frankfurt. As all roads head towards Seville for the final. See, I, uh, speaking, I look at all those teams and unless they draw on against one another, what a final Seville versus Barcelona could be. Oh, I'm hoping it's they do avoid each other, but at the same time, I do want to see Florian Verts in the final. Just to light his name up even more, because what a phenomenal talent he is! Yeah, he needs to be given more of a spotlight. Mm. Uh, speaking of, as we did at the uh, start uh, of the podcast about the tensions uh, amidst between Russia and uh, Ukraine, UEFA did announce earlier on this morning that the final of this season's Champions League will not take place in Saint Petersburg and has instead been moved to France's uh, Stade Paris or whatever the fuck. The yes, the Stade de France. Now Stade de France. Yeah, uh, and that games uh, in, in Russia and Ukraine, like European competitions and obviously FIFA competitions, will not take place uh, there and they will be held in neutral ground. So that is uh, where the Champions League final will take place later on this year. And obviously, many fans will, I know English fans will like, why can't it happen over here at Wembley Stadium? And that's because uh, the playoff final for the Championship, I believe, is happening the same day. There's two playoff finals happening that weekend, and the way Wembley works, they have to like prep everything as well in the stadium, so they can't be hosting a Champions League final. Mm. Yes. Anyway, I think it would be a good final. Playoff finals that. are better. <laughs> yes. Worth more money. This brings a lot more tension. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Right, uh, that is the end of this week's show. We'll be back on Monday to review all the weekend's talking points and see if Antonio Conte is still in charge of Spurs by then. If he loses the leads as well, we'll just break it. Oh, yeah, his hair will come out again. Oh, completely. Don't remind me of that one. <laughs> Uh, until then like I said at the start make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're listening to us from and follow us on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories from around the world of football and until uh, next week it's goodbye from Brad I can't get the image out of my head now <laughs> uh, and it's goodbye from me as well we'll see you soon <laughs>